Soler with a monster blast into left. And the Braves lead 3-0 here in the third. Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 84 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman. I am once again joined by my co-host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter, at BreakBallsPod, or if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. It's over. Finito. Our first full 162-game season in the books, and the most unlikely of World Series champions, if I might add. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to be here right now. I don't. I. I, I don't want. I, I. I. I'm done. I can't. I can't do this. This sucks. This sucks. And I can't even be that hard on you because, like, I am just lucky that we started this podcast in 2020 and not in 2018 when the Red Sox won their fucking fourth World Series. Yeah, in the I was last just gonna say. Years. You can't imagine what it's like for your chief rival to win a World Series. And you know what? I shouldn't even really say the most unlikely because they only became unlikely during the season. The Braves went to the NLCS last year. They were supposed to be really good. It only came about this year where shit fell apart for them that now, in hindsight, it's like, how did this team pull this off? Yes, but compared to the other teams that were in the postseason, I mean, you remember how this all started. We were totally dunking on the Braves. The, the very first episode of the postseason, it was like, yeah, okay, they made it through, but they're not going to get through. You know, and, and they did. And to me, it just goes to show, we always say on this show, the big thing that some people don't understand is the goal is to make the postseason. You got to build your team to get through the grind of the regular season, make it to the postseason, and then anything can happen. And, you know, even aside from the Braves' success last year, this is proof positive of that for me. You know, in the context of this season... The Braves winning it is just, that's baseball, Susan. Especially when you consider that so many people, a criticism of a team like the Yankees has been that, oh, well, you know, they're built for the regular season. They're not built for the postseason because in hindsight, they won't win the World Series, but they will be good enough to just get to the postseason and lose at some point in the last few years. Whereas that built for the postseason, like built for a World Series, quote unquote, is only something that can be judged in hindsight, because you cannot tell me that the Braves, as they were going into the postseason, the lineup that they had, that that was built for the World Series. Did their GM make unreal moves that turned out to be sick for them at the deadline? Hell fucking yes. But is someone really going to tell me that Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, and Jock Peterson were built for the World Series? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the team was built for the World Series at the end of July. You know what I mean? Like, they did not come out of the gate looking like they look right now. And I, I mean, both performance-wise and personnel-wise. You know, that that was a heavily built-up team at the trade deadline. And, I mean, kudos to their front office, man. They pulled it off. They put it together. I And, I mean, you and I were commiserating about this. When the Astros sent it back to Houston, I thought that was it. I thought oh, that was the sure. moment. That's what I'm saying. I thought that was the momentum swing that they needed. I thought, okay, game over. You know, the Astros got this, and they didn't even take it to game seven. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I shouldn't say this because this is a baseball podcast. I didn't watch game six. 
<gasps> I know. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And it's not like I started it, right? I had to work last night. I got home. The score was 6 nothing Braves. I'm like, all right, I know how this ends. I don't need to see this actually happen. I'm going to read all about it, uh, you know, between Twitter and everything. It's, it's going to be everywhere. I'm not going to be able to avoid it. And yeah, I mean, hey, I'll... I don't know if you want to say congratulations, but I will be gracious in this moment. Congratulations, Braves fans. It's the nicest thing I'm ever going to say to you. And it's really funny because because this is being billed, well, not billed, it's it's being interpreted, that's also not the word, but I can't think of it right now, as like a Cinderella story of sorts. But for any NL East fan that's not a Braves fan, it is the opposite of that. The Braves have been really good for the vast majority of the last 20 some odd years since they won their last title. Have they won a World Series since then? No, but they've won like 15 division titles, etc. So the Cinderella story basically is among fan bases that aren't in the NL East. Well, I mean, this is their archetype, right? Like it's what they did in the 90s and God willing, it's what's happening here. A one and done. That's all, all I can hope for. And I mean, I keep looking back at how weird is it to think that two of the last three World Series and the only two full-length ones were won <laughs> by the NL East? That's insane. It's funny because, like, you know, you, you want to talk about it's, you know, that's baseball season. The NL East does not suddenly seem like a strong, crazy division because they've had two championships out of the last three. You know what I mean? It just it speaks to randomness is the wrong word, but just you never know what's going to anything can happen in the postseason. And it did. And also, not only have the last two of three champions been from the NL East, but both of those NL East teams won their World Series at Minute Maid Park. So that officially means that more teams have celebrated a World Series win in Minute Maid Park than the Astros have. I have nothing to add to that. I'm, I'm still trying to process this. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Jorge Soler, he won World Series MVP. I mean, his home run, he hit a three-run home run in the third inning of last night's game. He literally hit it out of Minute Maid Park because they had the roof open. So as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, well, now I kind of guess I can see why they like it closed because that never happens when the roof is closed. This thing right. sailed over. The fucking place was silent. You could hear a pin drop and... In that moment, I wasn't thinking the game was over, but now that the game is over, the amount of momentum and fire that the Astros had in the ninth inning, which was non-existent, that's what they looked like after that home run, too. It was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking before, the Braves, there's different, this is going to sound stupid, there's different ways to win a World Series, right? <laughs> but, I mean, even just in terms of, like, the final game, it's a different vibe when it comes down to the last inning or, you know, even the last pitch, the last at bat, whatever, that sudden, oh God, what's going to happen? And then that jubilation. The Braves had the other version of this, which was just straight chilling for the second half of that game. No pressure. You know it's coming. It's that slow ramp up to, oh, God, hey man, we're here. So, I mean, that's the one solace I'm taking. They didn't get that burst of joy from coming back. I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, Em. I, I really got nothing to go on. I will say this. You know, I said before, congratulations to Braves fan. And, uh, fan, singular, right? Fans. <laughs> and I do mean that. You know, for, for the real Braves fans, you know, I can respect you people as human beings and as <laughs> baseball fans. I could do that. Aww. What I get a kick out of, though, and I'm not directing those congratulations to these Braves fans, the ones who are taken, and I think you've probably heard this from a couple people, you've heard the... Uh, you know, it's like, I want the Braves to win because the city of Atlanta deserves it. 
after having the all-star game ripped <laughs> away from them. It's like, that's what you're getting out of this? That's back, the reason why? I was going to say, go back and listen to the episode because follow the money. It's all about money, right? MLB is not like trying to take, well, let's, let's make Atlanta look bad and set them up for this. It's like, no, no, no. It was a business decision. But that to me, that's, that's being happy for the wrong reasons. I mean, actually, anyone happy for the Braves or happy for the wrong reasons, but in a more <laughs> in a more specific way. That's that's that 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 ain't it. As everyone knows, Eddie Rosario he won the NLCS MVP, and like I just mentioned, Jorge Soler he won the World Series MVP, and this was the first time, or rather, they were the first team with two postseason MVPs who were acquired midseason. This has never happened before. Interesting. Wow. I and I actually that. believe that Soler was the first or second Cuban to win the MVP. DJ Bingington is holding up two fingers, so that means that he was the second. I think that El Duque might have been the first. I believe DJ Bingington. You have chosen wisely. Once again, the Braves had a heroic performance by their pitcher. Another Injury to the leg. So the other day we had Charlie Morton. He pitched on a broken leg. And then last night, starting pitcher Max Freed in the first or second inning, there was like a dribbler hit between the pitcher's mound and first base. Freddie Freeman went off the bag to field it. And then Freed went over to first and he kind of got a little confused as pitchers tend to do. He like looked <laughs> as unathletic as possible and he gets tossed the ball. He missed the bag, but where he put his foot, he thought he was going up against the bag. And you know how like they'll turn their foot sort of lengthwise or horizontally. So it's up against the side of the bag. Well, he right. did that, but it wasn't at the base. So Michael Brantley, not purposely, fucking stepped directly on his ankle like his ankle the inside of his ankle touched the dirt and i don't understand how he performed after that i was even on some like holy shit this is pretty heroic i mean there's got to be at least some adrenaline in that that's exactly you know, right in the world series and it's just like hey this is the moment you know short of it being literally broken i mean well even that, you know, there's a certain standard has been set this World Series with broken legs. But, you know, even <laughs> aside from that, no, no, seriously, though, it's like, you know, that that just overwhelms you in that moment. You know, it's it's like uh, it's like a better version of going into shock, you know, where you don't feel the pain. It's kind of a similar thing where it's, hey, man, this is it. How many more game sixes of the World Series are you going to get to pitch in? Make it happen. And to his credit, he did. What was crazy is that he was able to bear down in that moment. I mean, he he pitched a great game. He won six innings, only gave up four hits, had six strikeouts, no runs. In that inning, though, that was, I believe, either the first or second base runner the Astros got. And when shit like that happens, like a misplay, where the guy didn't even touch the bag, but they didn't challenge it, so he was safe. Like There was so much hubbub going on, and then right. plus getting stepped on. It had like unravel written all over it like I don't understand how the Astros didn't capitalize on that inning because the Astros of every game before that this season were those guys see and this if anything just makes me happier that I didn't watch it because that would have been not in a schadenfreude way not in like I'm glad this guy's hurt way but just in a terms of momentum shift I would have latched onto that. Like, up, oh, okay, here we go. Game seven. And no, 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 no. I'm glad I didn't ride through that false roller coaster. Freed was just yeah. unhittable. I mean, he was just hitting every spot. He really brought it for that game. And as a Jew, I just also have to say how proud I am because there aren't that many Jews that make it to the pro level in the big four sports in North America or anywhere. And there are a few major leaguers. Three of them happen to play in this series, Jock Peterson. Alex Bregman and Max Fried. So 
it was really awesome to see him succeed on the biggest stage like that. And someone tweeted like it was the uh, the Talmud fielding Bible or something like that, a, a baseball Jewish account that I follow. And he tweeted, wow, Jock Peterson catches Alex Bregman's fly ball off of Max Fried, Dianu. <laughs> it was fucking perfect. And, you know, Emily's Jewish. Uh, as an Irish Catholic, let me just say nothing. Um, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pitchers uh, and, you know, stuff possibly getting lost in all the hubbub, one thing that stuck out to me, Zach Grinke being brought in as a pinch hitter and getting a hit. Now, with and we'll see what happens with the CBA, but with the possibility of a universal DH looming, that could be a rare thing right there. That might be one of the last times we see a pitcher. Well, I say that as the American League guy goes up to bat in an American League park as a pitch hitter. So I guess it could still happen. But it's going to be something that we see much less uh, moving forward. Grinky to me, is he's just... I, I, I love Zach Grinky. He's just so... Yeah, me too. Such a likable dude. He's so relatable. So I was really happy just a little microcosmic thing in that moment to see him succeed there. And it's such a, a quintessential, like, weird baseball stat thing, how there's a weird stat for everything, because, of course, Granky, an American League pitcher in the American League park, would be the last pitcher to right. have an at-bat. Like, that is <laughs> exactly. just so fucking backwards <laughs> and makes no sense that, of course, that's the stat. But, I mean, the Braves winning the World Series is backwards and makes no sense, so I, it, it all ties together for me. And to go back, we mentioned their trade moves, but that's the most impressive part for me. And of course, like we said, it all had to come together in the end. And of course it did. But the fact that their best player and arguably one of the best players in the entire league, Ronald Acuna Jr., tore his ACL on July 10th. When that happened, I mean, I didn't go back and listen to our episode that happened right after that. But I can only imagine the amount of holy shit, the Braves are fucking finished quotes I had after that happened because that's what everyone thought and especially because they were playing so poorly even leading up to that. I was one of those voices. I remember it very well. I was gleeful about it. Again, not about him getting hurt, but about the Braves' chances getting hurt. What was great about it also was that the Braves knew that regardless of Acuna being in the lineup or not, this is still their window with or without him. So you really appreciate the GM. I mean, that happened on the 10th of July. On the 15th, he acquired Jock Peterson, and then on the 30th is when he acquired Soler, Rosario, and Duval. So there are teams that they may need a few pieces, they may be almost there, but their team won't do shit at the deadline. And this was a team that you were like, they're not going to do anything. I remember even Braves fans at the deadline being like, why are they doing these moves? What's the point? Like, this year is finished, and it's like, well, fucking hindsight bias makes fools of us all. Right. Now, speaking of moves and giving the Braves credit, I'm going to try to be a big person here. I got to give Snitker some credit because, what was it, game two, game game three with uh, Anderson? Game three, game I three. think it was. Game three. Ian Anderson, no hitter through five innings. Snitker pulls him, gets crucified for it in the press and in public opinion. But it worked. So... Yeah, they won the game. They won the game. And then fast forward... You get the opposite towards the end of the series with Freed. He kept him in. And it just goes to show it's one of those things where, you know, we, we're all about analytics on this program. But, you know, when analytics is used as a catch-all, you know, it's always blamed when things go wrong, right? And this was a classic example of that. It's like, well, listen, the smart move turned out to be to take out Anderson because the Astros didn't score a run that game. You know what I'm saying? And the smart move was 
to leave Freed in. Now, it's almost as though, and, and bear with me here, and I'm about to give him credit, it's almost as though Snitker is in on the pulse of his players and knows what strings to pull at the right time. He may just be a good manager, M. He just might be. A-Rod, who is known to give very uh, thought-out and sane takes <laughs> during Game 3 when Snicker pulled Anderson, A-Rod tweets, hashtag Braves, do you want to win the Battle of October 29th or do you want to win a World Series? Okay, first of all... Oh, that aged like milk. But also, uh, last time I checked... You have to win fucking games to win the World Series. So Snicker <laughs> shouldn't care about winning in game three. He should just be like, eh, whatever. It's, I don't care about this game. I care about winning the World Series. That makes no sense. <laughs> we may not win this game, but the aesthetics are out of the park. Let me tell you. Then he followed that up with, they chose that first one with this strategy. This is game three, not game seven. So it only got more confused. I mean, I've never seen someone be as confusing and nonsensical as a person is than A-Rod in 280 characters only. You ever think that he just like starts a sentence not knowing how he's going to finish it? Like he starts oh, yeah. a thought and then he just like, he's like, well, I got to wrap this up somehow. And saying something is better than saying nothing when you're being paid to say something. The funniest part was so many people obviously agreed with him that they didn't like this move. And then when it worked out, and there is some validity to this normally, but when it worked out, you had people being like, oh, well, just because it worked out doesn't necessarily mean it was the right decision. And that can happen in baseball. In this case, people were referring to the use of the bullpen and going into the bullpen a little bit earlier, can tax them or whatever. But I forget, the, I think it was Herm Edwards who said, you play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You play to win the game. And especially yep. in a series like this where it's a short series, you play to win that day. Snicker can't worry about his bullpen for the rest of the series. Yeah, what is he going to do? Like, ah, we'll get him in Houston when they get their home field advantage back. Exactly. Like the Which, fact well, that, they did, but that's besides the point. <laughs> and you know that had the wheels... because. Pitchers deal until they're not dealing, you know? It's not like, oh, and, and that's what analytics and all this all this data shows us. The spin rates, uh, the vertical and horizontal drops, yada, yada. It lets teams know when their pitchers are running out of gas before the fucking wheels fall off officially and they start giving up dingers. So if he had left him in and then he started getting shelled, it would have been, oh, this was a third time through the order. How could he leave him in? Uh, of course, it's, it's the best lineup in the league. Blah, blah, blah. So managers in this sport are in a lose-lose. They, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Especially it's hilarious that the winning manager was the one getting fucking criticized for these moves. Well, because, again, we, you know, we talk about this. People feel like if they're being critical, that means that they really know what they're talking about. You know, there's no way that it could just be praised like, oh, that was the right move and that's it's like well what if it didn't work yeah but it did so I, I i don't know what leg they stand on but they are there every time anybody makes any decision i was so happy that freddie freeman got a title he was just as kid-like and, and joyous as you expected him to be in all the post-game interviews and something i didn't know until this series because they repeated it 50 times but brian snitker has been in the braves organization 
literally since 1977 when he started as a minor leaguer yeah, in yeah, some capacity that. he's been there so like that is just that is so rare in today's game and it just made it that much cooler in my opinion that this guy he's finally the manager now he's literally worked his way up from like the bottom rung of a professional sports organization in the minor leaguers and gets here after 40-something years, and then finally wins a World Series. Like, it was so fucking emotional. I'm not even a Braves fan, and I was getting a little misty-eyed. I gotta draw the line somewhere, and it turns out it's right here. (laughs) You know how they show, like, the celebration in the locker room, which is always hilarious. It's like, why are we watching this? But, of course, I couldn't take my eyes off of it for a while. People love what they think is behind-the-scenes footage, but is really, like very like heavily scripted like pre-planned shit but always the manager or whoever will get say a few words and and it's always nice to get to hear that last night i really really appreciated snicker's words because i'm sure it's an overwhelming moment and and the draw to be like thanking them and, and talking about the struggles and all that is strong for the manager in that moment but all he did was he just congratulated them quick and he said i've been thinking about this oh my god You know what, the the simplest thing I think I could put this, you know what boys, you guys are going to be world champions for the rest of your life. You'll be world champions for the rest of your lives. And they all fucking went nuts and that was it. And I appreciated that because it's true, that is the thing that no one can take that away from them. That is like the thing that all these major leaguers live for is they're a world champion for life. And it let the moment speak for itself. That he didn't try to make it too flowery. He didn't get lost in his shit. He just got right to the point, And it was just, I literally cried like a fucking baby. As I do every year, no matter who wins. I'm, I'm tapping out of this conversation. So since John tapped out, congrats to the Atlanta Braves. Um, don't get used to it because the Yankees are coming back roaring next year. And I'm sure the Mets will be there in the hunt too. And also... You people don't have to wait till next season, though, because we are here all offseason. You can't depend on Major League Baseball from now until February, March-ish, but you know who you can depend on? Breaking Balls. We will still have an episode every single week, and our offseason content gets a little wacky sometimes because, well, it's the offseason, and there's no live shit happening every week to talk about. Um... Emily, I need to apologize to you. I need to apologize to the listeners. That was admittedly a rough segment for me. I had trouble getting through it. I didn't like talking about it. But now the off-season is here. But before we dive into the (laughs) off-season, the real exciting part about this World Series, this godforsaken nightmare of a season being over... that we have a winner for our postseason classic and the winner is i say drum roll and dj pinchington do a, do a drum roll i guess but if you were listening last week you know who won danny b from manchester england in a tie break over sam because well you know i'm not gonna rub it in sam you know what happened but point being danny <laughs> ends you know what with you did <laughs> you know what you didn't do rather um danny b ends with 23 points a rousing victory uh he had Well, not the Braves winning, but he got enough right for a fairly commanding lead. Sam, you were right there with him. But Danny B, 
Uh, now we got to figure out international shipping. Uh, this is this is unprecedented for us. We've only had to send these things stateside so far. Um, and if I might just add, by the way, and, and Danny, congratulations, man. Well done. All you other entrants, all you American citizens who call yourselves baseball <laughs> fans, Danny B had to go out of his way across the Atlantic Ocean Stay up late to watch these games, become a baseball fan, know these teams, make the predictions that he did, and he fucking nailed it, and he embarrassed every single one of you. You guys got to come correct next time. This was a poor showing for the good old US of A. Watch, you're going to see Sammy Fontanelle fucking studying up on rugby and shit, or like cricket, and she's going to be like, all right, now we have to do a bracket for the cricket leagues in England, and I'm winning that shit. Danny B, congrats on your title, and thank you to everyone who participated. It was a lot of fun. I was unsure how it was going to go this year because it was a much smaller postseason field than we had in 2020, but it was still fucking awesome, and there's now no reason to not do it. We did it with 10 teams, so we're going to do this every year. Speaking, Speaking of, something of stuff that's done they do every, every year. year. <laughs> yes, yes, I nailed it. <laughs> the Gold Glove nominations were just announced, as were the Silver Slugger nominations. And what is there to say at this point? The fucking awards are just such a joke. It's just all about who everyone likes the most because it's just voted on by the fucking managers. The fact that we thought of the same segue at the exact same time says, speaking of shit that happens every year, I guess. <laughs> It's now the add that segue to the we list. Gotta stre- yeah. <laughs> we got to stretch for material here. Uh, so yeah, they're happening, but, uh, but who cares, right? To me, when I look at who was nominated, it makes sense in my brain, but I admittedly haven't gone through and checked out how all their metrics look or whatever. And it makes sense to my brain for the same reason that the award is a joke is because it's all players that are kind of popular and you've heard of. Yeah. And are we really supposed to believe that the most popular players are also the ones that are the best fielders because fielding is a lot more is a lot more difficult to discern than the best hitters. You know what I mean? I was going to say it's the most popular players across the league and Pirates shortstop Kevin Newman. <laughs> they throw those in just to keep it yeah. honest. It's like, no, no, it's legit. It's based on something else. And when you go through the nominees, like I, I picked who I thought would win. We're not going to fucking sit here and list them off because there's so many, but she wrote Carlos Correa in really sloppy handwriting 18 times. <laughs> he should. I mean, he was so fucking sick this year, but I digress. There are some on here that I chose because you know that they're going to be like the pity choice that they were close in the MVP race or the Cy Young race or whatever. All the managers know that they're not going to be the guy. So it's like, here, let's throw him a bone and just fucking give him this gold glove. So by that logic, does Joey Gallo win for right field because they got a Red Sox and an Astro for the other two? Are you kidding me? The Red Sox are the fucking MLB darlings. It's going to be Hunter Renfro, no question. Even though he fucking kicked that ball over the wall in the postseason. (laughs) But they vote on this before that. And the Silver Slugger Awards, I mean, I didn't get a chance to read up on the requirements, basically, because Rawlings on their website has some shit for the gold glove, like the amount of innings that the pitchers have to have to qualify and blah, blah, blah. I can only imagine what the qualifications are for Silver Slugger because DJ LeMayhew is nominated for second base and he was fucking awful this year. Even his batting average, if we're to ignore 
the stats that really matter, like how much he gets on base and how often he's hitting for power. If we just look at the batting average, it was well below his career average. It was like 270 and he's a 300 career hitter. So how the fuck did this guy get nominated? And you know what? Even on the flip side of that argument, Jacob deGrom got nominated. And this to me shows what a clown show these awards are because he's not in the Cy Young running, right? Because he didn't pitch enough. But what he did pitch was almost untouchable. But in that same amount of time, he racked up enough at-bats to be a silver slugging pitcher? I don't get it. I, I don't understand. I mean, for most of the positions, it's just three or four guys. But for the DH, there's five nominees. There's only fucking 15 DHs in the league. So just a third of the DHs are it's, nominated for it's Silver It's more Slugger. of a slight to those who aren't nominated <laughs> than, you know, any kind of praise to those who are. Turns out that the only purpose of the Silver Slugger and the Gold Glove Awards is just to be passive aggressive to the players that aren't nominated. It has nothing to do with the actual winners or nominees. <laughs> we did get the results of some awards. They have the Fielding Bible Awards, which is another defensive award, and Aaron Judge took one home. It was a crime that he wasn't nominated for a gold glove, even though I just shit on the gold gloves. I now am offended that Aaron Judge wasn't nominated for one, but he really was great out there. I mean, he's great every year, and uh, I'm glad that he won something, because he was unreal for the Yankees, and that's probably going to be the most recognition he gets. And if anybody is just finding out that the Fielding Bible Awards exist, you're in good company. I just found out 10 minutes before we recorded. The Fielding Bible, it's a 17-person expert voting panel. It has uh, sports writers, it has uh, statisticians and the like, and they have a set of criteria. I believe they have a rubric of sorts, and they use some. They use more metrics than the gold glove. But at the end of the day, none of these awards are done purely by statistics, which is aka their fucking actual performance over the course of the year. So it's nothing but subjective garbage, in my opinion. Even going as far as MVP, Cy Young, I mean, obviously they're meaningful and I get why they do them, but it's who the writers like best or who the managers like best. So it's like, who fucking cares? Speaking of writers and subjective garbage, uh, <laughs> so the Mets fired Zach Scott. No, seriously, good. I Fuck thought he guy. was fired. I, I had no idea that this was new news. <laughs> Apparently, they were waiting for the legal process to take its course, but then they didn't because his court date is in like December and they, they cut him. Now, this, if you're asking me, I think it's a no-brainer move. You know, this guy is going to be nothing but a distraction. I don't care how good of a baseball mind he is. This shows clearly poor judgment at the end of the day. It really kind of goes to show that there is a, and I don't want to generalize and say everybody, but... There's a not insignificant portion of beat writers and national writers, too, who will dunk on the Mets no matter what they do. Had they kept Zach Scott, the whole narrative would have been, oh, you know, the clown show continues. This guy got a DUI. didn't matter. Blah, 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 blah. Now that they made the, again, I say correct, call to let him go, some people are spewing like, oh, so the, the Mets are looking for a president of baseball operations, and they released this brilliant baseball mind. It's like, <laughs> yo... This brilliant baseball mind made a bad choice. That's not a mistake. That's a choice. It's something you decide to do. So, you know, you, if you wanna if you wanna perform those mental gymnastics to separate, well, it's not a baseball choice, so it's different. 
this is this dude's judgment at the end of the day. And it is poor. And if you're trying to, you know, you're Steve Cohen, you're trying to get this organization, you know, all these lofty goals that you have and respectability and all this stuff, Scott's got to go. And it's a no-brainer. And it doesn't matter what the, the Buster Olneys and the John Heymans of the world say. It doesn't fucking matter. The Mets made the right call. They did what they had to do. And not for nothing, this is a clean slate for the president of baseball operations. There's no baggage now. You know, even Rojas, who, you know, nice guy, maybe not the best manager. He's gone. There's no GM. There, there's no, like, there's nothing hanging over the head. You know what I mean? Even, like, you're coming in and, and you know, Zach Scott is a question mark at that point, right? Like, well, is this somebody I'm going to get stuck with? Are they going to try and convince me not to fire him? But, 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 no. Clean slate. Get rid of him. Let's find our person and move forward. And also, can we stop acting as if, and by we, I mean all of the people that are on the train of like, oh, the Mets made a bad choice getting rid of Zach Scott. Can we stop pretending that it's a surprise or not the fucking MO of Major League Baseball and basically every team to only act when it happens in the middle of the season, the public finds out, they get caught? Because look at Tony La Russa. It's very clear that if you have a DUI in your past... That will not prevent you from being able to get a job in Major League Baseball. But when you leave a team, no choice, or you leave the league, no choice but to fucking act because it's happened now, it then becomes a PR thing where it has to happen. You have to fire him. There was no way that that couldn't happen. And you get kind of like what Buster's point was where he's like, well, there's no precedent. If it were a player, they wouldn't do that. And it's like, that may very well be true, but... I Apples still think, but even so, I still think that they would get rid of the player because they have no choice, not on some altruism, not because they think a DUI is fucked up and bad and bad judgment, even though it actually is. Well, and, it's because yes, and let's get that they straight. Just have There's PR. no altruism here. No. Same thing with the all-star game, all that shit. Follow the money. Follow the public pressure. To be honest, it may not have even been as bad for Zach Scott. He may have even been able to survive the cull of himself if it, A, he wasn't getting drunk at fucking Steve Cohen's event at his home. And also, if he had told the Mets when it happened, as opposed to letting hiding it out. and yep. letting the fucking press find out. And again, bad judgment on bad judgment on bad judgment. You know, you can think this guy's as brilliant as you want. Actions speak louder than words. You know, when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. You know, don't convince yourself otherwise. At friend of the show, Tim Ryder, who's an excellent, uh, excellent coverage of the Mets he pointed out, so the New York Post, again, you know, grain of salt, but the New York Post reported, remember the whole raccoon thing, the rat versus raccoon, How I forget? the scuffle in the dugout, who can forget, it was so memorable. Apparently, it came out that the reality of that was Francisco Lindor strangling Jeff McNeil <laughs> in the dugout, and Tim Ryder rightfully pointed out, he was like, oh, sounds like, uh, sounds like Zach Scott's spilling the beans already. It's like, yep. You gotta love fucking jilted New York baseball execs and former coaches just running to the press the minute they get fired to like dish the clubhouse dirt like Nevin and company did last week and now Zach Scott's <laughs> doing this week. And you know, so there's already word that apparently some teams might be interested in Scott and you know what? Let them have him. That's that's totally fine. The Mets needed to get rid of him. They did the right thing and I think I think history will show us that. And on that note, let's get right into the voicemails. 
Our first and only voicemail this week. I was going to say, it, it sounds bad, but we changed our recording date. Normally, I'd tell you all to step it up, but we're a day early here, so we'll we'll be sending it out next Wednesday. Don't worry. So our first and only voicemail this week is from Nick. John, I feel for you, man. Bro, you got six out away from a World Series. You know, hopefully Braves fans won't talk shit too much, but you never want to see a rival win the chip, so... It sucks. Uh, I'm John. I'm sure you know about this issue, Emily. I'm I'm sure you do too. How do you guys feel about the Henry Rogue situation? You know, him being a scumbag, driving drunk, and he actually killed the lady he hit. And uh, with the Braves winning, are you guys sad that baseball's over? And now I guess we gotta wait for the CBA. Keep killing it, guys. Take care. Nick, first and foremost, let me just say thank you for the condolences. I do appreciate it. You're right. It is never fun watching your rival win. But now it's the offseason, and I know Emily's upset about that, and normally I would be somewhat too, but I'm just happy it's over. Um, yeah, man, as, as far as rugs goes, that guy is a fucking piece of shit. And I will say this, for perspective, you know, all these people, going back to Zach Scott, also had a DUI. Granted, not a felony DUI, but, you know, acting like one is drastically different than the other is a slippery slope. And here's why. Yeah, Ruggs killed somebody. He straight up killed someone. Zach Scott lucked out. That's all it was. He got lucky, man. He still made the same choice that Ruggs did. And this would be a very different conversation if Zach Scott, rather than falling asleep behind the wheel of his car, again, lucky him, that's all that happened, versus him fucking killing somebody. Like this guy just did. So, you know, I think it's uh, it's it's a really dangerous conversation to act like one is drastically different than the other. And, to, you know, to be so forgiving, you know, to say, to frame either of them as being a mistake. That's never a mistake. You know, I mean, that it, it is such a well-known thing that it's a bad idea to drive drunk. Anytime you do it, that's a choice that you're making. It's a conscious risk that you're taking, not just a risk to yourself, but to everyone around you. And so I, I have zero sympathy for either of them. Um, you know, sympathy, of course, for, you know, the, the person and the family of those who, who lost their lives. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it, it's, it's so fucked up. I'm, I'm happy to know that the Raiders cut him immediately. Dude is never going to play another snap in the NFL. And hopefully he goes to jail for a long time. And yeah, I am really fucking sad that the season is over. I mean, I feel like I've been prepping everyone for this for weeks because I have said basically before almost every episode since the Yankees lost some variation of like we're getting close down to the wire, the end of the season's coming. And it's sad for me every year. I, I wanted it to go to a game seven just because I wanted it to go the distance to get as much baseball as we possibly could. But Braves had other ideas. And they were bad. The ideas, not the Braves, unfortunately. Nick, thank you so much for your call. And anyone else listening, if you want to get in on the fun, if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. And remember, folks, we're recording on Wednesdays now throughout the entire offseason. So call in a day early. We'll be sending out the reminders that we always do. But everything got shifted over. I had to go back to work Thursday nights. It's my fault. You can throw me under the bus. It's fine. Since we are at the end of the season, as our old listeners know and new listeners maybe not, before the season started, John and I had our predictions. We predicted everything from the division winners to the World Series winners, award winners, you name it. I don't it. remember it that way. 
<laughs> and the other night during our production meeting, we were like, hey, let's go back and listen and see what we had to say. It was episode 51 at the 24 minute, 15 second mark. And needless to say, because this was a clusterfuck of a season overall for a lot of teams, it was a clusterfuck of a prediction that we had. And we figured it would make the perfect top segment. So this week we have our top three, so bad they're good, preseason predictions. John, you want to kick us off with your number three? All right, so my number three is my take on the Dodgers. I mean, first and (laughs) foremost, I had them winning the World Series. I had them going all the way, which at the time I don't think was a terrible prediction, but it just, they didn't even win their division. And the way I talked, like, oh, of course the Dodgers are going to win the West, and of course they're going to make the World Series. And you know what? I think they're going to win the World Series. Joke was on me, and you know, I've, even to the point where like it kind of got rubbed in my face, like the Dodgers after a certain point were like my last hope. It was like, can they please beat the Braves? (laughs) Like, please, just get... I I don't care what happens after that. Just get to the World Series, but no. My number three is similar to John's in that I had the World Series being the Yankees versus the Dodgers. And in my predictions, I was so fucking sure of the outcomes of this that I said, of course, after my prediction, like 50 times. (laughs) And... I said, of course, the Yankees are going to have the best record in the American League. And then, of course, the Dodgers are going to win their 37th division title and the Yankees will win the World Series. And boy, was I fucking wrong about all of that. Subtext. Why are we even doing these predictions? Everybody knows what's going to (laughs) happen. So my number two, so bad it's good prediction, was the Mets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and listen, I'm not going to... I'm not going to be too hard on myself for calling them to win the East. Again, not an outlandish prediction at the beginning of the year. Where this got dicey, though, was in the playoffs. So I had the Mets making the NLDS against the Dodgers. And my phrasing, just it makes my skin crawl every time I listen to it. I go, and listen, just to be realistic, you know, so generous of me, I'll have the Dodgers beat the Mets. I'm going to temper my expectations for this team. You know, this team that, as I like to say, collapsed like a dying star the second half of the season. My number two, and I'm not even sure of the exact context that preceded this. I said that I would laugh hysterically if the Braves finish with a worse record than the Cardinals. That would be an epic choke. Can you imagine? Now, this is a take that's so bad it's good because, I mean, I was right they did finish with a worse record than the Cardinals, but they won the fucking World Series, so who the fuck is laughing now? (laughs) All right, so my number one, it's a tale of suffering (laughs) into redemption, and here's why. So this has haunted me all year, and Emily has quietly (laughs) made fun of me all year for this. I said that the Twins were going to lose the World Series to the Dodgers. I had the Twins winning the pennant. Now, on the surface, and if you keep digging below the surface, it was a terrible call. The Twins were real bad this year. And, you know, that was me trying to, I said, you know, well, the whole thing with, you know, the postseason is random. Anyone could win. Well, turns out I was right. Only in a nightmare scenario for me. I was just thinking like, okay, what's some random team that could win? Oh, the Twins. That's harmless. Who cares? They haven't won since what? Fucking 80-something. No. Not to be. It had to be the goddamn Braves. Proving my point, I was right, but I was so wrong. And I don't know if I want to be right or wrong on this. It's just it's just a gross feeling. I wish it was the Twins. 
<sighs> my point was right, but at what cost? Now, my number one goes perfectly hand in hand with John's number one, because in that conversation, when John was talking about the twins winning the wild card and being that team, I then made the point because obviously, or of course, the Yankees were going to win the division duh, and have the best record in the American League, of course. Double duh. That would mean that they would play the winner of the wild card. Triple duh. Now, this prediction, it was so bad that it's good because technically, and we all know that technically is the best kind of correct. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. The Yankees did play the winner of the wild card. (laughs) The only hang up here is that the winner of the wild card only became so because they beat the Yankees in the wild card game. So I was technically correct, John, and I am fucking taking that to the bank. Emily, this is like some Simone Biles level mental gymnastics, <laughs> and I, I love it. Well, good, because much like Simone Biles at this point, convincing myself these were good takes, I have the twisties, and it's the perfect way to end this episode. <laughs> twisties. That about wraps it up for Breaking Balls this week. We want to thank all of our listeners and callers, and thank you guys so much for sticking with us throughout the entire season. We had a fucking blast, to say the least, and we cannot wait for next season and we can't wait to bring you even more awesome content between now and then i was gonna say stick around this is the time of year where shit gets weird and fun if anyone listening wants to get in on the fun and is feeling a little brassy give the breaking balls hotline a call 631-820-7377 you can also find us on twitter at breakballspod and we want to thank our amazingly talented producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. He's what makes the magic happen. You can find him on Twitter as well, at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we will catch you guys next week. 